This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 165, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, May 7th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and today we're taking a look at the comics that were released the week of Wednesday, May 7th. That being said, I'm recording this episode actually on the evening of the 14th, so uh, usually I like to get these episodes up on the Monday or Tuesday following uh, comics releases. doesn't always work out that way, so today we're looking at comics uh, a little bit later than we would usually like to, as the new comics have actually already come out today on the 14th. Uh, as such, I'm going to be quickly streaming through uh, all the titles that came out uh, last week. Um, usually I, I, I like to kind of go over what happened in the particular issues, etc., but today, uh, just in interest of time and because it's not as timely as I would have originally liked I'm going to be uh, running through the uh, the inf- the issues a little bit faster than normal uh, so the first book we have up this week is All New X Factor issue 7 uh, it's by uh, Peter David and Carmine G- D- D- Domenico I am shocked in the best way possible that uh, Domenico is able to uh, get so many books out considering this has been basically a semi-monthly book or yeah, semi-monthly. Um, uh, Peter David continues to write a really engaging, interesting kind of done-in-one style series. As we're slowly kind of assembling this team and this, the way that they interact with each other, um, I really dig it. Um, I like what Peter David's doing here. The ending is definitely kind of a shocker. Like, what the hell does this mean for what happens to uh, Cipher? But uh, it's this is, I guess, really you know they're not all done ones because we've had like two part arcs. But uh, I like that it feels like we've had a lot of story. Uh, this is what what did I say issue seven, and yet I feel like we've actually covered a lot of ground in this series, and that at times can feel. Uh, surprising because a lot of books uh, take a, a while to really get going. Actually, one of the books I'll be looking at this week, New Warriors, feels like what it, it did in four issues in the back in the old days could have been done in one, maybe two. Um, whereas with that old New X Factor, I feel like we've gotten a lot of real estate out of where they've been going. I mean, you're you're developing the team, but it feels like each adventure has stood on its own, as opposed to it feeling like this big overarching arc to put the full, the full team together here it feels more almost incidental that you know we're starting with the team and then they're adding people along as we go but it doesn't feel like it 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 is only happening so that we can assemble the team instead it feels like we are getting important uh, adventures for these team these the members of the team anyway uh so i gave it a, an eight out of ten uh next up is amazing spider-man uh number 1.1 1. 1, uh which is um you know, um, interesting issue, I guess. Uh, it's the uh, part of the uh, Learning to Crawl storyline uh, that Dan Slott's going to be doing in the uh, the One Point issues. Um, basically, it kind of takes place back in the day, uh, right after, in the early days of Spider-Man, um, as he's still kind of trying to figure things out. So basically, it's after Amazing Fantasy, uh, or really, really, it could be considered to be after Amazing Spider-Man 1, obviously, which would make sense for the 1.1 aspect. Um, kind of fun. I mean, it feels like we've kind of tread this type of ground before. I mean, there's there was the Amazing Fantasy issues that came out in the 90s. There was Kirby Shook's Amazing Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Um, I don't necessarily think this is a necessary book to read, um, but I, I it is kind of a fun kind of romp through this kind of uh, Silver Age Spider-Man. 
Uh, so Peter still feel, feels like a very different type of character, which makes sense considering where he is in his career. Artwork by Ramon Perez, and uh, it's written by Dan Slott. Uh, it's, you know, I'm going to give it a six and a half. Uh, it's not a bad read by any means, but it's not the best thing I've ever read either. Uh, it has some, some good moments, but uh, I'm, I'm not so sure it needs to be there. It needs to be happening. Like, I'd almost rather have continued having the bi-weekly or semi-monthly Amazing Spider-Man adventures as opposed to having this, you know, instead of doing that, instead of having uh, this kind of flashback kind of story. I'm Especially because with the original Sin tie-ins coming up, we're going to be introducing a character who was also bitten by the spider uh, when Peter was. So we're already kind of going back to the, to the well, so to speak, to grab something from that kind of initial origin period for spider-man so to then go back and then add in a new story that takes place around amazing spider-man one with a new villain i don't know it feels like a little much uh, i like the way that character's been portrayed though so I, I i'm definitely kind of eager not eager but interested and intrigued to see where it goes from here i'm still just taken by a 6.5 though uh next up is batman eternal so this is the one of the uh ongoing the weekly ongoings at dc um you know, I, I did like this. Um, I, I do feel like it's cha- it's already kind of changing in tone than it has. The first three issues, I think, were spectacular, and since then, I don't think it's been quite as entertaining. Uh, it's written by Scott Snyder, Jim Stinian IV, uh, Ray Fox, Tom, John Lehman, and Tim Seeley, and it's got artwork by Andy Clark, who I think is a better fit for this book than uh, Dustin Wynn, who we had last issue. Uh, I think just tonally speaking, I mean, a lot of it just looks a little bit more, uh, a little, sorry, a lot more similar to what we were getting from Faybach than um, what we got with Wynn. And I thought that Faybach's take was so great in the first three issues, it's what really hooked me on the book. And then he switched off. So at least we have Andy Clark doing some amazing artwork here. Uh, We have, you know, kind of a continuation of what's going on and uh, Vicky Vale trying to uh, find out more about this drug on the streets as well as Batman try to find out about it as well we have a little bit more of Harper Rowe um, Harper Rowe's brother appears to kind of be infected with this this drug this virus that's kind of infecting people uh, I'm not really sure what the ending of this issue is supposed to say in terms of this scientist but uh, you know I don't have to wait long to find out more and uh, issue 6 came out today I'm going to give it a 6.5 um, again it was Solid, um, solid artwork. Story left a little bit desired at some points, but it did have some strong points as well. Uh, next up is Black Widow number six. I continue to just adore this book. It's fantastically written, uh, beautifully illustrated. Um, it just you can tell how much the creators Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto are really kind of digging this book and the the uh, specific tone that it has and the action is really great. Um, yeah, and Black Widow is in a very tough spot and is able to escape. Um, and but not everything kind of is as it seems, and there's a lot more going on with Shield and stuff here. Um, there's a, a great Hawkeye cameo, which is really uh, sly. Um, I continue to really just dig this book, and again, it's kind of done a lot of done in ones or you know done in twos. It's simple, straightforward storytelling, but um, it's just just a, such a great way of. Uh, writing it that Edmondson's employed and I'm really digging it and I'm interested to see what the crossover will be like between uh, Black Widow and Punisher I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10 uh, next up is Detective Comics 31 so this is the second issue of Icarus by Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato 
Um, the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, the story is kind of cool too. With again, we're seeing Batman less as a superhero and a hero, and more of a a detective, and seeing how he's trying to find out more about this drug that murdered that woman from his past. Uh, seeing how Bullock's going about his own investigation. Um, the artwork and is is absolutely brilliant with some of the uh, the close combat aspects. Uh, I gave this a nine out of ten. It is a gorgeous looking book. Um, for those who were wondering if you know Manifold and Bouchelada would be able to do a Batman book, absolutely. Um, they don't go uber dark with the colors, but it's still a really good look for Batman. Like the colors aren't off. Like I was I was a little con not concerned, but I was curious because Flash had such a bright color palette and. Whenever I've looked at you know, some of Francis Menopole's previous artwork, Bucciolato does a lot of his colors, and it's always kind of a happier tone. So him doing Batman, I was curious what it would look like, and uh, I think he's really nailing it. Um, and the artwork is just gorgeous. I uh, really, really dug this. So that's a 9 out of 10. Uh, next up is Earth 2, number 23. Uh, Tom Taylor continues his uh, take on this book as we see the return of Green Lantern, although the apparent potential death of Speedy... Um, I really dug this. Again, Nicholas Scott is just killing it with the artwork. It remains such a visually, um, you know, arresting book. Um, seeing Lois Lane and Superman having a bit of an interaction was really cool as well. Um, because Superman is kind of weakening in terms of, uh, seeing, you know, his, his wife has definitely awakened something within him. Uh, Alan Scott's, you know, kind of, uh, return is really cool as well. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on here, but uh, I really, really dug this. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what, what goes on from here as we continue. The series, again, remains consistently entertaining um, and surprising. I, again, it feels like nothing is necessarily sacred, which is good. Uh, Tom Taylor's not afraid to mess things up and, um, you know, track mud in the, in the house, so to speak. And that's exactly what he's doing here. Um, so I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Green Lantern 31. This is the first part of the Uprising storyline. You know, I'm actually kind of digging it. I mean, it's it feels very different in tone and I'm, than uh, what we got with Jeff Johns. And for some of the ideas, I'm like having no no not having Oa and operating on on Mojo, sorry Mojo Mogo. Uh, it's different. Um, I don't necessarily love some of the ideas, but I have to give them credit for kind of trying to break free of the Jeff Johns mold. Putting Hal in the leadership role is kind of an interesting role to have him in, especially seeing him kind of confront his own shortcomings as a potential leader. Uh, the idea of having the kind of the universe coming, kind of uprising against the Green Lantern Corps, especially with all the revelations that have been made recently, uh, dealing with the Duralins who are the shape changers and kind of what they're potentially messing with the Green Lantern Corps as well. Really, really kind of interesting stuff. I, I dug the issue overall. Uh, it's good work by Robert Venditti and Billy Tan. Um, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It was an, an enjoyable first chapter. Definitely, I am interested to see where they go from here. Um, so yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, next up is Iron Fist, The Living Weapon. Uh, I just recently finally read issue 1. Uh, loved it. Um, Kari Andrews is doing an amazing job here. I loved in the first issue where he kind of read about uh, how he felt about comics and uh, being able to, you know, kind of be a writer and artist and kind of being able to deliver that vision. And it was kind of this weird, kind of loose, fancy-free way of, of kind of illustrating what you're thinking and, and, and really 
it's the most it's kind of what I love about Manipul doing the Flash and now Batman is that it feels like it is what the artist sees in his head and then he's able to convey that it's not having to go through another medium like if you think about it comics are kind of strange because I write a script and then I give it to an illustrator and Marvel Method or not even if I have a full script there's certain nuances in that art that I have no control over uh, where and so there's certain things that may never come out in the art that I really wanted to or some things will come out that I'd never intended or, or uh, you know wished to be in there but then end up really working here though we get the purity of the artist's vision uh, and the writer's vision because they're one and the same uh, so that's how I feel about this uh, issue of Iron Fist um, I kind of like how, you know definitely very Kunlun focused I mean we've had that before with the uh, Immortal Iron Fist run by Brubaker um, Fraction and Aja, uh, and then later by Swarzynski, and then there's a, like, a lot of things have happened with Iron Fist over the years. Um, this feels like a very back to basics. If I hadn't read any of that, it doesn't matter. I can just kind of easily understand who the character is and jump in. Uh, the flashbacks to his family as well are very, very strong as well and very emotional, uh, which really give the issue some additional grounding. And that last page is, uh, you know, definitely kind of a haunting one of Kun Lun. Uh, I I really I really enjoyed this. I think it's just it's one of those books that I may not have expected to really like that much, but um, there's just something about it. There's old new Marvel now is really killing it. They've had so many launches and yet so many of them are entertaining books. I mean, I'm sure not the sales aren't necessarily great on all of them, considering that they're not all necessarily top tier characters or they're in you know just not characters that can necessarily sustain an ongoing book. But I like that they're at least trying. Uh, next up is Loki, Agent of Asgard. Um, really, really enjoyed this. Uh, it's really entertaining. Um, I mean, there's just not much more to say, but I will say more. So this uh, continues to be written by, uh, let's see, uh, Al Ewing with artwork by uh, Garbit. Um, so this we have uh, Loki coming up against uh, Sigurd, uh, the, you know, what do they call him here? The ever glorious hero of Asgard. Um, I really kind of dug. I, I dug this entire issue really. I mean, we started on a mountain in Tibet, and you see this master of black magic meditating, and then Sigurd shows up with his hero's blade, and then he uh, we we hear the story of how he got it. Um, this continues to be one of the most charming books I've ever read. I uh, have Loki with Barry Willis, who's the character we met last issue, who is the lie detector, human lie detector, which reminds me of uh, Jennifer Morrison's character in Once Upon a Time, Emma Swan, who says that she's a human lie detector. Uh, Sigurd shows up, uh, and when he shows up, we see like this parchment um, narration saying what he's wearing, which was hilarious and awesome. Uh, so he shows up to steal back his sword. In the next page, we have Verity is eating, and then there's actually a list of what she's eating, and then kind of um, a secret of the trade for preparing that dish I just I thought it was hilarious and then um, because you can't really lie to Verity she can also three, see invisible people um, so then we have Sigurd and Loki kind of having a discussion about the hero's blade and they have a kind of a scuffle it leads um, Sigurd to this uh, master of black magic because he wants to be you know kind of be reincarnated within the wheel of karma so that he doesn't go to Valhalla where he's going to be tormented by the Valkyries. Uh, so really kind of interesting, cool concept. It turns out, however, that this is not the actual Master of the Black Arts, but instead it's Mephisto, and he has tricked Sigurd into signing a, a contract that will make him his forever. But it turns out there is another person 
on the contract in terms it's not actually the contract he meant at all instead of an invisible upon visible upon invisible loki has shown up switched the contract and now had uh, uh you know mephisto's uh, agree to his own mephisto's also kind of calls out loki as well as to that fact that kid loki is maybe not gone um or maybe he is gone sorry and then uh at the end of the issue it looks like we're gonna have loki uh, trying to free Sigurd with the help of Lorelai, Thor, and Verity. Uh, really, really dug this. Again, it remains one of the more charming comics on the stands. Uh, it, it feels kind of footloose and fancy-free in terms of the way it's written, but uh, I'm really digging it. It's uh, really an entertaining book. Uh, so I will give that an 8.5 out of 10. I'm giving a bunch of those this week, but uh, you know what? Books deserve it. Can't help it. Uh, next up is Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number 1. Um... I wasn't even intending on reading this, but I, I like the cover, and I'm like, you know, I'll give this a shot. I kind of like how Miles is getting older, and so that's being depicted in the art. Uh, the first page, the first two pages, I was so confused because we have the S.H.I.E.L.D. facility uh, being shut down, and they have Norman Osborn in it, and I honestly, I was looking at this guy, and I was like, is that Yankee? Like, it almost looks like him, but it's not. Uh, and we have this bearded gentleman, Norman Osborn has survived. So he was thought to be dead after the death of Peter Parker. Uh, these Spider-Man-ish characters show up to uh, you know, do a heist. We have uh, Miles Morales being with uh, Katie Bishop and him not really being able to tell where he is, etc. because of his special secret identity. Him dealing with the fact that his father's gone. Uh, having, having an excellent heart-to-heart with MJ about whether or not he should tell his girlfriend that he's Spider-Man. And she kind of equates it nicely to the idea that it's kind of like you're married because you're bonded for life if you reveal that, uh, which is really cool. And then the last page has... What? Looks like Peter Parker's back, looking a little bit more emo-ish. I guess if it's not Mark Bagley, it doesn't matter. It, it, Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe just looks way too kind of hipster-esque... Um, you know, uh, with the long hair and stuff. It just doesn't quite look right, but when Mark Bagley does, it looks great. Um, so I dug this. It was a very, I thought, solid debut. If you've never even really read a lot with this character, uh, you'll still get a fair bit out of it, but it is not really as much a one, number one, as it is just uh, continuing on from the where it was before. Uh, it is a start, new starting ground, but if you don't know what came before, it's going to be a little bit more hollow because it's really much, very much informed by what came last with his dad, which I didn't even know about because I actually haven't read the last issue. Uh, next up is uh, the New 52 Features End number one. Didn't like this. Didn't like the Zero issue. Liked this even less. Um, the art, uh, It's written by Brian Azzarello, Keith Giffen, Dan Jurgens, and Jeff Lemire with art by Patrick Zerker, who I do like. Um, I just don't really care about the Wildstorm characters. I don't care about this futuristic kind of element. I don't care about the level of violence here with Grifter, but that's fine. I just, I don't care about Wildstorm, so I find it hard to care there. Uh, seeing Firestorm uh, and Green Arrow and how much of a dick Firestorm is, it reminds me that we are in this weird future. Green Arrow appears to be dead. I just really didn't enjoy this all that much. I'm going to give it a maybe a 4 out of 10. And I feel like I'm being a little bit nice. I just didn't really like it all that much. Uh, next up is New Warriors, and this is issue number four. You know, it's 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 capable. It just take, feels like it takes too long to get to the point. It's written by Chris Yosh, artwork by Marcus Toe. Um, again, the evolutionaries and the high evolutionary are uh, kind of dealing with each other, and it looks like there is another character involved that I don't think we really know who it is yet. 
Uh, we have Nova fighting against the evolutionaries. Then you have Justice, Speedball, Sun Girl, and the Inhuman show up uh, to free the rest. Um, and then it's just uh, in all, a long extended fight sequence. Um, I did find it interesting. I did find it enjoyable. I just thought they could have taken less time to get there. And it looks like, I guess, a Celestial's there at the end. I don't know. I did enjoy it. I just thought it could have been a little bit tighter, a little bit better. I'm going to give it a six and a half or a seven. I, I'll give it a seven. No, I think it's a 6.5. Man, I've been trying this thing recently when, when I sit down to do the episode. I already have a, an idea in my mind of what I'm going to be rating these issues, but I don't actually write anything down. So I then kind of, as I'm flipping through them and recapping, then I can be like, kind of making that gut decision. I find it's a little bit more interesting in terms of what I come up with in terms of rating sometimes. Uh, we have three books left. We have Original Sin number one. Um, I thought this was entertaining. It was interesting. It was definitely a different feel for an event, per se. Um, it's by uh, Jason Aaron and Mike Teodato, who I'm glad to see is on a main book. Uh, so the Watcher is assassinated. His eyes are taken out. And then it's up to you know, a select group that end up on the moon to kind of figure out what's going on. It looks like Nick Fury's kind of putting together an extremely eclectic team trying to figure it out and take control of this murder investigation. Uh, I'm really interested to see where they go from here in terms of doing it as a murder investigation and then as well seeing how the different original sins are going to play out in the different tie-ins and how it's all going to make sense. Uh, seeing the mindless ones not so mindless really interesting as well. Um... This is just a starting point, but I think it was a pretty solid one, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Punisher number 5. Uh, I remain really uh, impressed by this book. I wasn't sure when it started, but each issue I seem to like it more and more. I kind of like that, uh, the the way that it's not over-rendered in terms of the artwork. I mean, this isn't a super-muscled Punisher. It's just kind of a dude uh, with a gun, um, which, to be fair, is who he is. Um... I thought this was really entertaining. Uh, I loved the, the artwork on the first page where we see Punisher blowing up a vehicle, and we see his awesome kind of uh, heavy heavy gear, uh, as well as the mask. Um, him, you know, kind of taking on the Dill Soul was really cool, and then uh, trying to take on the uh, Electro as well. Um, really, really cool stuff. I really, really dug this. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. And the last book of the week is She Hulk, which remains fantastic um she hulk uh, goes to san francisco and has a bit of a crossover with uh daredevil uh, i thought their whole interaction was just fantastically done uh, the artwork by javier Polito remains top notch um the way matt murdoch was written here it was absolutely perfect and then i like that she, he got they got the cut loose together as well um you have she hulk go to latveria to confront dr doom which is hilarious and well written uh interesting to see where we go in the next issue um as we're getting more into the, uh, this legal case issue uh really really fantastic uh, i'm surprised in some ways by how good this book has been it's got a great sense of humor the arc is breathtakingly gorgeous it's simple but i really really dig it uh so the books i didn't get a chance to look at this week include aquaman and the others number two astro city number 12 batman superman number 10 which i started but just couldn't finish batwing number 31 cyclops number one which i think i read the first two pages and i was like you know what i don't know if this is quite for me at some point i plan on eventually reading it but it's probably not going to happen today uh deadpool versus carnage number three ferris number 26 green arrow 31 
Hinterkind, number seven, Justice League 3000, number six, Magneto, number three, Miracle Man, five, Movement, 12, Savage Wolverine, number 18, Scooby Doo, Team Up, number four, Swamp Thing, number 31, Teen Titans Annual, number three, Trinity of Sin, Phantom Stranger, number 19, Vampire Diaries, number five, and Awake, number eight. Um, so that's, that's a lot of books. Uh, and speaking of books coming out next week, or by next week I mean today, as I record this, but really tomorrow, or sorry, yesterday by the time this goes online. Um, so books that came out on May 14th uh, of particular note uh, include the following. Uh, there's an absolute Superman Batman hardcover, volume 2. Uh, there's a chapter of Doomed in Action Comics 31. Uh, you got an uh, an Aquaman hardcover, Volume 4, and Trade Paperback, Volume 3 coming out. New issue, obviously, of Batman Eternal. New issues of Batgirl and Constantine, Fables, etc. Uh, another chapter of Green Lantern Corps. Uh, you have Justice League United, number 1. Uh, New, New 52 Features End, number 2, um, etc. You'll have Spectre, Volume 1, Crimes and Punishments, which is the old John Ostrander book from the 90s, which I'm impressed that is being um, reprinted in a trade paperback. Uh, you have Superman Doom number one and Superman Wonder Woman number eight, which is another chapter of Doomed, as well as World's Finest 25. Uh, looking over at Marvel, we have the Age of Ultron Companion trade paperback coming out, issues of All New Ghost Rider, All New Ultimates, and All New X-Men, uh, as well as uh, the trade paperback for Amazing Spider-Man Peter Parker One and Only, which, to be honest, I would say is very much missable. It was the 700-point issues. Uh, we have new issues of Avengers 20... Sorry, Avengers, which is... an uh, um, oh man, Original Sin crossover issue. I'm really excited about reading that. You have the new issues of Avengers Undercover, Captain Marvel, Captain America, uh, the launch of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Um, you've got a new issue of Fantastic Four for those who love the Hulk by Jeff Loeb. You have the Complete Collection Volume 2. New issues of Iron Man. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, new Avengers, Nightcrawler, Secret Avengers. You have the She Hulk by Dan Slott Complete Collection Volume 2. Uh, the 12 Tree Paperback Complete Series, as well as new issues of Wolverine and X-Force. Uh, one thing I just realized I don't think I mentioned is that uh, on May 7th, books I didn't also didn't get a chance to read yet include uh, Moon Knight number 3, as well as Magneto number 3. Uh, actually, you know what? I think I read Moon Knight number 3, and I didn't even talk about it in this issue. Isn't that strange? Uh, Moon Knight 3 was great. Um, again, another perspective on the Moon Knight character that Warren Ellis is bringing to life. Our work is gorgeous. The storyline and the storytelling is really well done. I gave it a 9 out of 10. So that is everything for this week, I believe. I hope so. <laughs> I think I got everything this time. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode. This has been episode 165, the comic reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, May 7th. Um, for our next episode, episode 166, uh, we'll probably be coming online maybe Saturday or Sunday, maybe Monday. It's kind of a, it's a long weekend in Canada or most of Canada, I believe, or at least in Ontario. Man, I'm a bad Canadian. Um, anyway, so it may be a little bit late coming up, but uh, I'm not really sure what we'll be talking about yet. Next uh, week's ep- non-reviews episode, so episode 168, should be a Talking Hero Clicks episode about talking about Days of Future Past and the recently uh, released uh, Deadpool set. And then the week after that, episode 170, would be the X-Men Days of Future Past spotlight episode on the movie. Uh, and then we leave May, and uh, we'll see what June has to bring. Uh, please email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. 
Uh, also, please like us on Facebook. But really, what I really want, if you do anything, is to please rate and review us on iTunes as well as subscribe to the show. It's the best way to make the show's audience grow and have it become a more successful podcast. Because uh, I just I want more people to be able to enjoy the show. If you know anyone who might like it or enjoy some of the topics we talk about, please refer us, please. Um, I just want to grow the audience for the show. That's all I really want for it. Uh, so thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will catch you for episode 166 in just a few days. Bye-bye. Just a quick addendum, actually. I just realized as I signed off with my, at this point, legendary bye-bye, I realized that uh, it made me laugh that my wife has recently told me that she absolutely hates it as a sign-off. Um, I don't know where it started or when I started or I just at some point I just kind of did it. And then I just kept doing it, and she's like, please don't do it. She just apparently just drives her nuts. So if you have a better idea for a sign-off for Comic Shenanigans, let me know. Again, you have the email address. It's comicshenanigans at gmail.com. One thing as well is that uh, I'm trying, I'm thinking that for episode 200, which is still 35 episodes away, I might want to do a little bit of a clip show in terms of uh, looking back at some of the the better moments the show's had, uh, which means I'll probably have to re-listen to if not the reviews episodes, it's at least the non-reviews episodes, which is over 80 episodes at this point. Uh, so if you have any particular favorite moments you've listened to on Comics Again, shenanigans or things that made you laugh or that you think that would be good for the kind of a best of episode, let me know. I'm always interested in uh, ideas. And again, if you have a better sign-off for me, please let me know. Uh, yeah, maybe you'll get a prize out of it, or at least a shout-out on the podcast. Uh, anyways, until then, bye bye <laughs>